Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Today's guest, Gavin Hyde, has worked in the personal development industry for over 25 years. And so it was fantastic to interview him today, pick his brain, and to be able to share some of the wisdom that he's gained over that 25 years. One of the key words that kept repeating through the chat was courage. And Gavin's a living and breathing example of having the courage to tackle the challenges that he's faced over his lifetime and to be able to, as he described, manifest his greatest fear and having his first partner leave him, then having to face the all the challenges that came to the surface when he ended up having to raise his two sons from the age of three and five to, to be men and the courage to step away from different environments that he knew weren't serving him well. And he did all this on his own with courage and to now be someone who's helping other people to overcome their challenges, to help other people share their stories, have the courage to tell the difficult times in their life and have the courage to be able to share those messages, not just in in the spoken form, but now in written form by helping them share through his most recent book, Resilience, as well. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Gavin Hyde. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's guest, Gavin Hyde. How are you, Gavin? I'm well, thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me on board, mate. Really excited about our chat today. Yeah, me too. Great to have you on board. You just, we'll get to this straight up. You've just uh, co authored a book with a whole lot of. Uh, budding authors and help them become bestsellers, which must have been an amazing experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? We'll talk more about it at the end and where people can get a look at that book, but tell us a little bit about that journey, Gavin. Uh, yes, Ian. Uh, I'm goosebumping up uh, as, as you're asking me that question. It awesome. was a fantastic healing opportunity. It was uh the, the level of growth that I personally attained from uh, supporting a group of people to yeah. really dig deep to, mate, these people were so brave and courageous to share stories. Like I cried reading their stories. Like we've all got a story and we all think our story's the biggest and the <laughs> the worst kind of story, you know, like, oh, poor me, this stuff happened. But I'm like, these people put their heart on the line and I'm so, um, you know, I know the grateful word gets thrown out a lot, but, yeah. like, I'm 
I'm so grateful that they trusted me to come on board and they saw the vision because what I see now for them is, which really excites me, is that the level of growth, the inner light that's shining when I talk to them and I, I just see them smile yeah. and I ask them, how is it going? Oh, a friend bought a book and they said this. They, it's like they're shocked it's like they've probably been hiding under the doona, right, like me for a long yeah. time, like this, yeah. Yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like the reply and the responses from people have been so positive and supportive that, you know, my heart just bounces out of my chest. So um, yeah. it, it was a fantastic journey, something for me that's very inspiring. It's, it's really created a turning point for me and something that, I really want to support people to do more of, you know, you know, really find that voice and, and, you know, writing it is one thing, but then talking about it is another thing. And when you're talking about in the world we live in, in social media and so forth, everyone has the best life, don't they? You know, everything's good. You know, look at my food. Uh, I'm at the beach. I, I have a time, freedom, you know, uh, a, a workstation and I'm at the beach and I can do all these things. So, you know, move all of those to the side. If you really want to see real, experience real stories, uh, see adversity and hardship, it's raw. It is raw. It's not edited. Well, it's edited because it has to get edited, right? And it's yeah. been formatted and all of that stuff that, yeah. that the, you know, the, 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 the work that the publishing house does. But yeah. from a story perspective, there was a guide, but it's unedited, raw vulnerability, raw, you could say, messy stuff, raw stuff that's that, that's not said, that's that's hidden away, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure you've experienced this yeah, given you've worked in the industry for a long time. It's often those posts when we share our vulnerabilities that get the best traction. I did one of those this week and and it's exactly people are like, Oh, you're going through shit too. I'm like, and it's like, yeah, we we all are. We all are. And people people who listen to this podcast are, are people who love to help people and they've got big hearts. So they would definitely resonate with that feeling that you get. When, when you're helping people at the, the goosebumps and, and how just how good it feels to take that to another level and help them share their story. Uh, mate, that's what that's one of the reasons I love this platform is to, to help other people share their story because you get such of a buzz out of hearing people share in a way that they haven't shared before. Yeah, absolutely. And also I'm just kind of thinking behind the scenes a little bit. I've kind of shared what's happened now that they're on stage, you know, like the book's been yeah. launched. Yeah. It went to you know, a bestseller status, we're all kind of mind blown at just what's happened. You know, I've read stories of, oh, I've, um, someone in America has bought the book. So that vision, that rippling of vision to, vision to, to create a healing, um, you know, transformation across the planet has really happened. But it was the journey of taking the authors through, like the self-doubt. Um, you know, people talk about the imposter syndrome. It's like I remember when they submitted their chapters and they're like, oh, that's done. And then the realisation of, oh, my God, someone's going to read this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, and so it, it, it was the transition of all of the stages, you know, you could say a hero's journey or a transformational journey just when, when you're, you know, doing, you know, this, this, this really heart-centred work where you see someone 
struggle and then they break through and then they, they go back a little bit and then they, they go forward a little bit and there's this, these back and forwards. And so that's so memorable um, in my mind. The end result is great, yes, but it's yeah. the it's that the memories that for me I'll always have and the, the connection, the trust, the relationships with these people that are really significant because it, it's yeah. it's honest. It's and it's and it's not all hey, I, I experienced this thing and now um, I have a seven seven figure business and I earn five hundred thousand dollars a week, you know. Well you know what I'm you know what I'm yeah. saying, right? It's like some people are still working with well this stuff because it's yeah. it's and I, and I think it's like it really gets to a point where it chunks down into an identity like a really raw authentic identity and so that's probably a struggle that most people have i believe is to align to that truth and be that cuz that that brings up a whole lot of things you know yeah. about how you communicate and why you communicate and why you don't do things and, you know, rejection and, and saying things that you don't really mean because you don't really want to upset someone but you don't really follow your truth and you say something else and there's this all this internal conflict going on yeah. just to kind of prote to, to protect yourself, to protect your own wound. And, and yeah. this, 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 is, this is for me the journey, you know, it's like, Everyone does it. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, 100%. And even those people that are doing those posts that you talk about, the, you know, the seven figures, and they're, they're just doing the same thing. They're just doing, they're, they're pursuing what they think's right and they're sure. protecting their own wounds. And, and it's, yeah, they, we all have lessons to learn. And uh, like I imagine for you, helping these authors, these people, through that journey of of learning and being and having that courage to tell their story must have been great so what what was the big learning through that process because i know you've helped people a lot but this is a different vehicle right wow that, that that's a really great question what was the big learning oh okay i'm thinking one of the biggest <laughs> and then there'll probably come another one was that it's really important for me to be authentic but to speak my truth and kind of go after what I want in a way that's true for me. And so, you know, I, I had my internal triggers come up the whole way through this book yep. in, in holding this space. And so what I've realised is it, I, I feel it kind of shattered an old identity that it, so it actually ran deep for me. So the learning was to, regardless of the outside noise, go, go after what you want, you know. Be, yeah. Don't have any shame, <laughs> and that come up in writing my own chapter, but don't <laughs> have any shame in um, going after what you want. I was actually at the gym the other day and I was talking to a lady, uh, it's a new gym, and I kind of, I think I have, I'm, I'm trustworthy or I'm friendly or ask me a question written <laughs> in community or right? <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, we, we were talking and and uh, I said I just, you know, published a book with, um, you know, there's 18 people including myself and a, and, 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 a, and a book partner and, and, and you know, and, and we did this and become a bestseller and she said to me, 
and who are you to do this? And I was, but you know what? I was totally okay with it. Yeah. Because in the past, I've been in this personal development industry for 25 years and I've done this. (laughs) It's a good real play. I've done this even, you know, I look at my surname, Hyde. I've just kind of had my head down in the sand doing stuff and I, I've not tooted my horn. And yeah. here I found myself, I don't really feel I was tooting my horn, but it was more, I was proud. Yeah, so nice. I think, I think yeah. that's the big thing that's come out is to speak in a way that's true and, and authentic, but still to go after what you want. And, 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 and it's okay to, it's okay. It's actually okay, you know. I can yeah. I can give myself permission to shine. That's huge. It's huge, and I love what you said there about going after what it is you want. Um, a, a brand new client yesterday did a story, and she's like, three minutes thirty-seven into the first training, I've just had this moment. Like, no one's ever told me I can have anything I want. Like that, I can actually do that, and I deserve it. And it's like, isn't it funny? Like, that's just like. I can't even remember putting that in there. I, I don't remember the significance of it, but different things appeal to different people. And yeah, we can, we can have all the things, but it comes back to what you said. And I love the learning there is you described what you were helping them to do. And then your biggest learning was the same, right? To speak your truth, to share your voice, to get your story out there. And and to me, that's one of the greatest gifts when we're helping people is it's not just the people that we help that are getting the transformation. We do at the same time as we go through it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 this this vehicle in in you know writing a story, it it has greater, I believe, greater potential in this day and age. For me it's a a new spin on personal development. Because, you know, like I've taught many programs and many courses and, you know, people have become practitioners in X, Y, Z modalities. And, um, but a lot of them probably don't go on to do things. Maybe a small fraction do. But yeah. this, this, and this day and age with technology and social media, the message in this book has gone across the globe. Like, Love it. like you know, can it get any bigger than yeah. transforming the planet, right? That's a massive chunk up, isn't it, you know? That's huge, yeah. A level of existence. Now, you mentioned you writing your story, so let's actually get to that now. Um, the big moment for you, you said that was that was easy, the one that stands over everything else. So, yeah, please, for the listeners, Gavin. Oh, yeah, look, there's many moments in my life and I've, it's like I've realised now that there's, now that I've written that one, there's actually a, a story before this one. So yeah, yeah. What do they call that? A, a, a pre – in the movies they do a movie and then they – Prequel. Prequel. There's actually a prequel and I'm like, wow. Anyway, not to get into the prequel, but it was around uh, twenty about 28 years ago that I manifested my greatest fear and at that point in my life my greatest concern was that my, my partner that I was with, that I had two children with, would leave me. And I would be left heartbroken. Um, I felt unlovable. Um, but the biggest concern was I'd have to be raising the kids by myself. And so that was scary, man. 
Yeah. Um, and so in us not being able to work it out, you know, two young people trying to work out their lives, probably way off track, <laughs> you know, not really having a purpose or a meaning but just trying to find ourselves really um, that happened. We split up and then, you know, a couple of years later um, my, my ex arrived on the doorstep and made a decision, took some action and said, here's the boys, I think they're best off staying with you. So that was like 1997 or something like that. Wow. And um, uh, at, at that point in my life I was and. I'll talk about it, but that's my chapter in the book. But at that time in, in my life, I was really struggling to take care of myself. And here I had my, my sons, three and five. Wow. On the doorstep. And I had to sort myself out. It that's was, huge. Can, can mate, you- it, was, I, I, it was huge. And that's when I was writing my chapter, there was a like shame popped out. Like I didn't realize, I didn't even realize it was there. Hmm. Interesting. Can we come back to the the part about looking after sure. your boys? Because I'm curious about the. You said your greatest fear was that your that your partner would leave you. Have you been able to process why that fear existed? Was it a product of something from your upbringing? Another. Yeah. So really, uh, good questions, Ian. Um. I kind of have a couple of thoughts. I kind of think that there was a, it was an opportunity for me to grow and learn. And so, you know, why did it happen? It's absolutely my internal my internal stuff. Like my parents were together, so that wasn't the case. But you know, maybe it was just part of ha- having that experience. And as I can see, so many like in the prequel, so many things that kind of led up to it. So I, I think it was just for me, the journey in finding myself in my life, not that there was anything that was wrong. I just think that was the, these were the coordinates for me to navigate because I'm, I'm, I love um, meaning, I love purpose. And I think what it did was it gave me pain, experience of pain and, and the opportunity to get into my body and to, to feel it and to heal it. Yeah. Wow. Um, like you said, you've grew up, your parents were together, like we can have these amazing, great experiences, but we can still have these illogical fears that sit in our system and it can be anything from, like I think to when I dropped my youngest to childcare at about one and him just gripping hold of me and and like there, there would have been some separation, anxiety that would have come part and parcel with that for years to come from that moment, right, or even that that first few weeks of you know, so we all have these little moments which are insignificant in the big scheme of things but but they they leave a sort of lasting effect so we don't always need to know why but i love how you've said well but this is what i learned from it because i think that's really important is being able to switch over but not everyone's ready at that point to learn the lesson so can i ask you do you remember like even though you you it was your greatest fear and there was probably part of you that was almost half expecting it do you remember what a shock to the system that was when your partner actually sort of well, when I when, when I the, the the fear wasn't when she arrived and said, you know, here's the boys. I think it's best for the boys. It was more 
the realization that 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 moment when I knew, oh, it's over. And yeah, so, wow. I, and I don't want to talk too much about it. If anyone really is interested to to share that or to read, no, please story, do. Yes. It, it, it's all it's all in there. But it was like it was. Um, on some level, it was like a relief. It was like I, I knew the writing was on the wall and it was like the internal conflict really that was there was I wanted to make a go of it and she never really wanted to make a go of it. Yeah, and right. we just had, we were young, we, say we were dumb or we were young and we just were... Not dumb, but we... Naive, perhaps. Yeah, naive. I was thinking immature, but I think we were naive. And, you know, my my communication skills were what they were, you know, and and so we just butted heads for a long time. And and even when I think about how we kind of got into that relationship, it kind of stumbled before it started, but then I continued on. Yeah, right. You know, like you kind of start and then it stumbled a bit and then you're like, oh, well, you know, and you and you move on again. So so when I really think back, it, it probably was built on rocky ground to start with, but you don't know any better. Yeah. So yeah. You, you, and you try and you try and do your best or you think, I suppose the vision for me was I had a vision that, you know, you, you get married, you have kids, you get a house, you live happily ever after. And I think that's that's probably the belief system that was formed or the vision, I call it like a vision, belief system, whatever, you know, same type of thing. But yeah, and, yeah. And I think that she never really wanted, we didn't get, we didn't get married. She never wanted to get married. Um, uh, to our surprise and shock, we had a child and then not much longer, we had two children and um, we never had the house either. And the, 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 the dream turned into a nightmare. And so, but I think, in life, there's things that occur, and like you said, there's opportunity to. We're meaning making machines, so we're going to make things mean things as a way of justifying how we feel and how we think. And so, yeah, yeah. what I've what I've now learned since then, which was the turning point that sent me into, I needed to find answers because I didn't I didn't know what was going on for me, and now I had to raise two young boys, and so that 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 was the the. the that was the opportunity that I that I took back then, um, yeah. you know, twenty six years ago or something like that, where I gave up my job, I moved out of my the area that I thought I'd grow up in, and I actually enrolled in a diploma of sports therapies because I love sport. Looks like a Parramatta flag up the back, is it? Yeah, 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 good, yeah, good yeah. spot. Yeah, we'll talk about that at another time, mate. Uh, anyway, I love I love I love the footy myself too, and um, so what I actually did was without knowing, as I I made a decision. I invested in myself to do something that I love doing. So that was like probably the first time that I did it for me because I loved sport growing up, but I gave that up to get a job. Actually, I gave that up to get a job. I gave that up to escape school because my brain, my mental processing didn't fit in the schooling system. Mm, um, interesting. It, it didn't fit with me. So the first opportunity I got to get out of school, I got a job. I took, I took it and ran. And so, um, so, yeah, I'm kind of back and backwards and forwardsing a little bit. But no, it's good. Yeah, and and you're bringing up so many great points. I don't know where to start. So I've got a few that I just want to <laughs> tap into. There, you, you you mentioned something which is a big one in grief. That uh, I'm getting goosebumps on this one. 
people feel relief, big moments of grief, someone passing, someone leaving them, all these different things, but they don't always identify with it or they do and it they feels like that's wrong. And but it's just part of the process. There's there's part of any situation which can be quite overbearing and overpowering and and relentless. And then when it goes away and the magnitude of that, yeah, there is a sense of relief. And it's really great that you've brought that up and honored it because it's it's important for people to realize that in those moments, it's okay to have all the feelings. Sometimes you'll laugh, sometimes you'll cry, sometimes you'll have things like relief, you'll be angry. So that relief part, how was it you were able to honour that when most people can spend a lifetime not like running away from that feeling that it actually there was a part of it that was actually good? Yeah, another good question, mate. Uh, best way I think I can answer that is I just knew. Like as much as I as much as I was trying to work out and and make this thing work, the vision that I had and this is what you do, the the struggle, the the you know, the inner turmoil without pointing any fingers, my my, my inner struggle, um like it, it 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 shouldn't be that hard, should it? <laughs> you know? But, yeah. but so so knowing it was over was a relief because I didn't have to deal with that anymore. And so that was that was like a breath of fresh air. That was the and then and then comes the weight and the mountain of you know putting the pieces back of your life in in a way that you'd you'd seen it was gonna be one way and now it's another way and like it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Like, and all the pieces weren't even there. And so if you don't even have the pieces there and you're trying to put it back together, that creates a lot of uncertainty. And an uncertain mind will get frustrated, will, will get angry, will then, you know, that will lead into some type of, you know, a mirage of emotion. And so trying to work that all out, that was a that was a process. But, the, the, you know, the... the, the, the the next jigsaw puzzle kind of came when the when I then was the identity of a a, a separate partner or a part time dad. That's probably a better way, a part time dad, which wasn't the identity that I or, or vision that I had, and then being a full time dad with all the responsibility. And so, you know, inside of that, that was that was a huge mountain of pressure. And so, how I dealt with it was, I just had to do it. Like the, 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 if it, I kind of say, you know, it's like a mission or a project, or it was like this thing, the opportunity that presented itself. Like, because we all make decisions in like a very quick space of time. We don't yeah. need time to make a decision because it only takes what is it like one third of a second? I don't even know what it is. It's a really short amount of time. But I just remember making, you know, inside of my mind saying to myself, okay, I've got the boys, they're not going back, and I had to sort it out. Yep. It was like there wasn't a choice. There was a choice because I chose to do it, but it was like the only choice was I have to do this. Yeah. And that 
raising my boys from three and five bought all of my stuff up. Especially oh, yeah, all the stuff about, you know, I remember about learning and reading and writing and helping, you know, all of all because I love sport, but on the on the other side of things, that wasn't my greatest skill. I remember I have a funny memory coming into my mind. It was the Easter hat parade and uh, and it was a dress up thing. And yeah. I'm like, I'm I, I, maybe I forgot the note or I forgot that it was on. So at the last moment, what I did was my son's school uniform was like maroon and blue. And so what I did, so what I did was I got some white masking, <laughs> some white masking tape, and I taped white lines around him, like his jumper and his beanie, and he went as Where's Wally. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my creative. You know, there's my creativity, you know. All these other people are dressed up with the hats and, you know, all the costumes. You know, white mask and tape, you know, three lines around his, his school jumper and, and a beanie, red beanie, and, you know, a couple of lines around that. So it, it was mate, it was really confronting because it really brought up, it brought up, you know, my issues around my mental process, around thinking, around learning, not being smart enough, not being good enough, judgment, you know, all the self-worth, all of that type of stuff. Oh, man, that's massive. So when I asked you before about, you know, your greatest fear, that usually it's around uh, feeling enough and and loved and and when you grow up in school, small our small mind equates because we watch everyone else getting good marks that, oh, you have to be smart. You have to get good test marks to be, to be sure. good enough. And it's just programmed so hardwired. And then what you described there is then like that same, well, I don't know, was it a desire to help your children not have to go through what you'd been through and from that learning perspective, do you think? I don't know. I think just think I was freaking out. Uh, there's no lot. There's, when I think back now, you're asking me that question, I'm like, there wasn't a desire to help them. The desire to help them was to create a loving family environment where they felt part of something. It had nothing mm. to do with schooling. You're right, but it was more just all of that stuff coming flooding back to the surface for you and you having to deal with that survival yeah. mode. Absolutely. And so what occurred was when I enrolled in this Diploma of Sports Therapies, around this time I was raising my sons, then I... You know, I saw a kinesiologist and he was like asking me these questions and pushing on my arm and 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 saying, you know, what happened here and what happened there? And I'm like, well, you seem to have all the answers, mate. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I clearly remember saying that. And then so, something happened, you know, and he pushed on my arm and my arm went down. He goes, what happened when you were four? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And then a memory come in and then... I said something, he goes, no, it's not that, it's not this, it's not this, and, you know, it had to do with uh, like a family event. And so, mate, I was hooked on this kinesiology thing. Yeah. So I went down the rabbit hole, became a kinesiologist, became a kinesiology trainer, became a kinesiology mentor, mentor took myself through like all of this learning of kinesiology, um, yeah. uh, 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 became a, a trainer at one of the big natural medicine colleges in Sydney back in the day. Wow. Um, and so I kind of did my apprenticeship, but I, I I was just fascinated by the mind and how what you think about you bring about, but how the brain works. And so I went down this rabbit of the educational kinesiology. And so I was 
went down that path and I was learning about me and I was able to help my kids because, you know, I remember seeing my son's writing go across, he's writing on the page and he's writing a go up the up above the line and I just learned a technique and it said it's really good for these things and so, you know, he, here I was like getting him to rub some points and move his eyes and get him to write again and his writing went on the page. I'm like, my God, how's that work? How good. <laughs> it was it was amazing. That was a long time ago. And so that helped me to sort me out, helped me to find me, find the answers, help my boys. So, um, but yeah, that, that helped a lot. And that's why I'm passionate about what I do because I, I, I did it for me. I didn't really go, well, I'm going to do it for others. I like, I love this and I found something and it helped me. Yeah. I love that. And the, and the, the flow on is that it does allow you to help more people. Uh, it's interesting what you said about kinesiology. I, I'm, I'm a massive advocate and I, I regularly share on a podcast about it. That For me, I remember going my first time, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'd, I'd gone to my usual Chinese acupuncturist wasn't available. I ended up in like a more of a, you know, modern day one um, Anglo person who'd learned, like they were, they were really good. But we just started talking about energy. She had an energy mobile and she goes, oh, you've got to go see my kinesiologist. So then I go there, and I'm like, I was like you, I'm like mind blown. I remember saying to him, how do I get my kids to come do this because I think it would be great. He goes, oh, just get them, like, we'll just come as a family, all four of you. They can watch you go through it. And, and I remember them both looking at me going, what is this? Well, what is this? And, but, and yet they've both been back <clears throat> again and again and again and developing their own abilities, much like we all go through, to be able to, to help other people through it. Um, you're laughing, so there's something to that. What, what are you? Oh, doing? mate, I just you just like I just memories coming up, you know. Like, so my, my younger son, who will be 31 in like less than a month, yeah. So, um, he uh, I put him into little athletics. I went to a school athletics carnival when he was about probably seven, second class or first class, and he he won the sprint. I'm like, wow, that's pretty good, pretty proud moment, yeah. and um, and then the next year. He went, he was still, he must have been in second class, but he went in the primary school one and uh, he won that one. And so that means he's like going off to the district or the zone or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, cutting a long story short, I put him into little athletics because he had talent. And um, so over the years of going to athletics, he like he excelled, like, like literally so proud of being able to, you know, see my son just be a bloody champion yeah. and, you know, I'm saying that in a modest way without sharing all of his medals and wins and achievements and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. parent, of course it, you're going to be proud for sure. It was it was more that because he did well, people would watch what he did. And so that's, I know, I, I, you know, that's modelling, right? Yes. And so I teach him, you know, three basic techniques to switch his brain on before he'd run. And so here he was at the start line, rubbing his points like this. <laughs> doing these ones and doing these ones and yeah, doing yeah. these ones, right? Three points, integrate yeah. the brain. And so I was at I was at like some event, it was at Bankstown or something, like a school, well, maybe it was the weekend one, but all of a sudden I looked around and there must have been about 15 kids. My son was out there, 200 metre mark, he's doing it, and there's about 15 kids doing the same thing. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, wow. Like, so... You know, that, I suppose that's that flow-on effect as well. So, yeah. you know, and, and so then I was able to 
practice a lot of my boys. Um, they both like sport, and so that just enhanced their ability that they had, you know, to to, yeah. to put their. And my son, my, 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 the son that did the athletics, he would always perform <laughs> even better in the semifinals and the finals where a lot of people would get to that point and, and their performance would go back. It's just we just did the thing, you know. Yeah. He's actually, he was over on Saturday. He goes, I remember that time when you massaged my hamstrings and I was asleep and you were deep in there. It was like I was so light. And because yeah. I was like, well, how can I help him to be the best he can be, you know? And so yeah. I, I would just do all of these things. So, you know, yeah, that, good, good memories, mate. Yeah, and that point you bring that up then is like is one of the most critical things. Like if you're a parent, not thinking I need to get all this stuff done for my children, but starting with you because the best lesson comes if you can pass it on yourself. And I, and I think like my proud parent moment, so the – the um. Uh, paper plane throwing, right? And my young fellow just loved it. And he and he wanted to go to the, the state, in inverted commas, right? Because it was like all these people from around the area that that paper plane film was was uh, big at the time. And he went and he went okay. But then it happened the next year. He's like, oh, you know, I, I've, I went really, really well at school. I've got to go again. But now he was actually pretty good at it. And I taught him my breathing techniques. And all these kids who in the warm-up were throwing them way further were just choking in the in the actual event when their throw was on because you had to get it in the markers or whatever. And I just watched him. He first one, he did the same thing, bad throw. The second one, he just took – I didn't tell, I had to tell him. I couldn't actually get to him. He just took three deep breaths. He relaxed and he threw it bigger than he'd ever thrown before because of the techniques, right? And it's like, wow, I don't care about the fact that he went really well in the um, paper planes. It was more the fact that he'd learnt a life skill – that he now uses in every circumstance. To me, that's the greatest gift of going on a on a personal growth journey. It, the word you used, modeling. They take so much more from us from observation. So can you can you share a little bit about what you have learned about modeling and maybe a tip you could give the listeners around how to to be able to pass it on in a really uh, subtle way, I guess. Okay. Well, I, I suppose modelling from the perspective I was talking about came out of, um, you know, some different processes and techniques where, um, you know, it, I suppose it's already, if, so, if someone's doing really well, it's like just copy what they do. But that, yeah. that's not really it. So, you know, if, if you're, a, a, you know, a great paper air plane thrower, just just copy what they do. But... That's not really what I believe is the essence of modelling. It's the mindset behind it. It's actually yeah. what happens inside. So, and that's that's a process. So, because everyone models everyone, you know, like, you know, there's a there's a good ad. Let's do that ad. There's a TikTok dance. Let's let's do that TikTok dance. Or you know, it's like a craze. Let's just that's copying, but it's it's more the mindset. So I think. A tip for someone would be to, you know, just probably sit. Uh, I'll use the breathing one as well because I think, you know, without the breath you die. So, you know, from a, uh, a reflexive response, in, response inside of the brain is maybe just look at the person, take a breath, get present, and then be present with what your thoughts are about the process. So it would then be like, all right, 
it's a little bit like what's the intention here? And so, so my intention is to be the best paper airplane thrower. Great. And and what's the feeling I'm going to get? I'm just going to be elated. So that's a, an intention, but action is the thing that kind of makes it happen. And so the next kind of step would be, well, what what are the action steps or what are the things that I can demonstrate that would actually show that I could achieve that? So it could be, you know, taking a breath. It could be bringing my arm back and just keeping my eye on a on a, on a on a target in the in in the distance or in the distance as I'm throwing it as an example, and practicing that as a strategy. But with the the outcome, you know, because of doing that, because of setting the intent and having some steps, right, having yeah. some structure, what's the overall outcome? Who do I want to become because of it? And I think something like that. I think works really well from the perspective of modeling. Love that. Particularly that last part, the outcome, instead of the outcome of I want to win, the outcome is who, who do I, who will I become as a result of this? And, you know, I'm sure you've done a bit of work with this. If you've done a bit of stuff in the sports background is that the sports psychs talk about stick to process, come back to process, not outcome. So that's to me, that's what you've described there, right? You've, you model, you watch, create your own little process that works for you and then have that outcome around who you become. Oh, that's fantastic. Great. Because if you're if you're who you're becoming because of that, then you're giving your mind the focus to create that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Who I'm going to become, you know, and, and, and also because it's a little bit like, you know, I ask people all the time, so, you know, what, what – what do you want to get from this? Where do you want to be? I just want to be happy. I'm like, awesome. Like happy is great, but like, you know, demonstrate to me what happiness is. I just want to be, another one is I just want to feel in a peace. Great. Yeah. Yeah. But what is that? What, what's the thing or the action that you need to do to actually accomplish that? Something needs to happen because you can turn on and turn off emotions in um, a very short amount of time, you know, you probably done these things yourself, you know. Uh, imagine a time in the past where you felt this. You know, imagine a time in the future when you want to be like this. It doesn't take much to tap into the, you know, the emotional centre. But yeah. to create the structure, like in the brain, or to create the, the, the precision process, it would be knowing what the steps are. And for you to become the whatever it is, the champion paper airplane thrower, your process probably may be different to mine. Yeah, 100%. And so if someone says these are the steps, do this, this, and this, and then you do that and you listen to someone else and it doesn't work, then you doubt yourself or you blame them. And so I think, you know, we all have the answers. We all have, you know, it's just a matter of accessing it and, and backing yourself. It's like, it's like, it's just a whole lot of chaos, but out of the chaos comes clarity. And without yeah. having clarity, if you don't have clarity, then a confused mind will doubt, will not make decisions, will procrastinate, will do all the behaviours and the other things because it's just not clarity. You have clarity, you just do the thing. That's the thing. These are the things. This is the steps. Spot on. And, and you touched on something really important there that everyone's structure and steps are different. 
And so the structure is good, but then you've got to be able to create your own unique way. That's a, a really important message for people to hear. Can can I take you back to those early years? You said like just how difficult it was for you dealing with that time where you had the boys. Do you remember some of the like really tough times and, and how you were able to actually get through that time? Mate, there was heaps of tough times, like financially. Yeah. Like I, I had uh... – I, I had, I kind of say two jobs, right? I had a, a government job and I had a herbal business as well. And so I went from this herbal business, it was like a cash business, the herbal business back in those days, um, and uh, and the, the, the government job. So I had kind of two incomes. And then I went from two incomes to no income yeah, well. to actually m- moving out of the area starting my life pretty much from scratch on a single parent's pension. So wow. the toughest thing was then wanting to give my kids everything and the, so the cost of living, it's all relevant, right? Cost of living yeah. back then when you don't have money and I didn't, I, I, like I didn't want to live in certain places. I'm like, I've got to make this happen. So that's really, and that was a hardship for a long time. And so I'm not really sure how I got through it. I just had to. Did you Did you have people, yeah, when you're a parent, sometimes you just have to, right? But were you, did you have a network around you, your parents, no, friends? I, 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 I kind of, I left that network. I let, I, oh, wow. That network that I had around me probably wasn't, um, was supportive in some old habits and patterns that I needed to leave behind. So I had to, I kind of cut everything. I still had my parents there and like they were supportive, but I wouldn't ask them for any money. Huh. And and I don't know if it was because I, I was probably failing badly on that side of things. And there's probably a whole heap of shame around it. And actually, you know, when I think about it the most, they would have helped me, no doubt but I didn't have the courage to ask. Isn't that funny? When when we're parents, we're like, we would do anything, but when we're on the other side with that reluctance to ask for help, even when we get older, it's crazy. It's a little bit easier now, but, like, I, I just remember I wouldn't want to I, – I was fearful of my father's response. Hmm, interesting. I, I would say, uh, hey, he was my greatest teacher. Like, seriously, because if I wanted to know <laughs> about not what to do, I'd ask him. So I'd say, hey, I've got a situation. I remember, I remember asking him, hey, I've got this situation. What, what do you suggest? And he'd say, well, I wouldn't do that and 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 I wouldn't do that. And I'm like, okay, all right, so what would you do? And he goes, I don't know. I just wouldn't do all those things. <laughs> well, at least you've so, narrowed it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't do those things. So that my options were, and that's, look, that was, I suppose, part of my conditioning and my upbringing was um, that I experienced about not doing things, not not succeeding. And mm-hmm. this is no disrespect. Like, I suppose it was around the same time that all this happened with my kids that I had big breakthroughs with my father. Because I, I actually, <laughs> I went and did my, I remember going to the first personal development course that I ever did 
the lady at the gym said, hey, you know, I've just done this weekend course and I now get on with my ex-husband. And I'm like, well, I don't need to get on with my ex-husband, but I really need the thing that you just said. Yeah. And so yeah. I went along um, and I remember my mum saying to me, Gavin, don't sign anything. Whatever you do. <laughs> I'd still joke with my mum now about that, don't sign anything. And so the lady <laughs> said something that day, you know, she was up the front of the course and I'm like, I signed up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that changed everything. But before that, I, I, I like I was so I don't know. I just I wanted to fight my father. Like I, I don't know. Like I know he had his experience in his life, probably locked out of love, and he had you know um, you know things with his dad. And actually, that it was kind of similar patterns. Thinking about it now, that I didn't find out till later. Like that you know um, he went and lived with his dad, and his dad raised him, and. And so, but I didn't find out this stuff until, oh, I don't know, like I was in my mid-30s. So, you know, it could have been, that could have been a pattern, you know, that yeah, yeah, yeah. a family pattern that was, um, 100%. That, that was there. And so I, so like, I remember wanting to fight him and all of that. And so I just had to, I healed that relationship with my father because I realised that he was just being him and I was wanting something from him and he wasn't able to give that to me. Yeah, which, which essentially was love, you know, like he, he yeah. couldn't say it. Like, and so, so hence when I was raising the boys, I couldn't ask him for, for money or he did help out. But the, the most joy I suppose that came to, to my heart was because my, my younger son becomes so talented in athletics, my dad would come all the time to watch him and because my son would just win. He'd win this and, yeah, you yeah. know, like he, 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 you know, he ended up coming 12th in the world in, as a, what, 16-year-old. Wow. Went to Italy to watch him run in the international the world championships and wow. he still, still holds Australian records for hurdles and all the local records for hurdles. And so it was like I was getting my love or acceptance or whatever through living 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 how's this for living through your kids right living through yeah. my kids and you know my my younger son doing so well and and my my father coming and seeing that that was the acknowledgement or whatever recognition so and my poor other son kind of he was still great at sport and you know he was great at baseball and his hand eye skills and golf and things like that and he <laughs> still did really well there but my other son just excelled and so there was a whole lot of bonding that happened between my dad and myself and and through my son and and winning and success so and that sets up a whole lot of other things right so <laughs> yeah there, there was heaps of hardship you know just not having the courage to ask for help um yeah and kind of wanting that love but not feeling it so that you know when, when the relationship broke down i think about it now it's like well i was heartbroken that i'd never be loved again but that was already that was already online you know what i mean yeah. um and, and for me to discover and for me to embrace and you know i got the i've got, I've got all of my life to get that it's not like i haven't got it it's like i've got my whole life to have the experience of this so i i still believe I'll continue to have experiences in my life that present perspectives or aspects of all of, all of this, and that's the growth. And that's why I'm in love with me. I'm I'm in love with what I do. I, I'm in love with you know seeing people light up, and that's why I'm like I've really just dedicated my life to doing this this healing work. Love it. Um, 
really important for people to hear that you did find love and I'd love for you to describe how you were able to go into that relationship in a different way without that fear of them her leaving. Mate, i got tears in my eyes. Um, once again, I had a vision. <laughs> yeah. I had a vision in my mind that someone would love me for who I am and I could. it was in black and white. Was yeah. it moving or still? No, it was still. <laughs> but it was myself and it was my two sons and I just had a vision that someone would see me for who I am and would love me and accept me. Yeah. And this is a true story and I've told so many people this, but in front of my eyes one night, this vision of beauty that I saw in my mind manifested in front of me and I was looking across at her. Wow. And just like, you know, when when you said to me, um, how did, like that sense of relief, and I said, I just knew, I knew she was the one. But I went into that relationship shit scared. I went into the relationship still the same person. Yeah, wow. So how did I go in there not being or not having the fear that she'd leave me? I knew that she was the one and she still is. She's the most beautiful thing in my life. That's awesome. Um, You have to make sure she watches this. (laughs) Oh, she knows. (laughs) Yeah, she she knows. It was just that it, it was... The relationship, because of the first experience that I had, this was just not that. Yeah. And so there was this level of communication. I, I was able to be vulnerable and just share stuff. And so that's cool. although I felt that I fell in love with her, I think that she fell in love with me and for the first time, back then I actually felt accepted. Wow. Huge. And so um, she was the person that said to me, you need to go and see this guy who was a kinesiologist because she was studying just a little bit in front of me in the studying part, you know, um, back then. And so she was, you know, I was asking her questions and she was um, doing a diploma in aromatherapy and, um, the questions I was asking her, the, her lecturer was answering. She said, you need to go and see this guy. So I am just blessed, mate, to have this beautiful soul that I just do life with yeah, um, every day. And so I'm just really, I'm just really blessed. And But, but inside of that, it takes work because we're really opposites. We're like really opposites of how we do things, but our i suppose our end game is really similar and so although we kind of get there in different ways like it's like i just i'm an angel with me every day love it i say to us stuff like <laughs> um you know um did you hurt yourself when you fell out of heaven this morning and that's <laughs> true I, I i say things to her because it's true. And, you know, at one point, you know, 
we'll be past this plane and move on. And so I just want to embrace it. Um, I, I don't know what the words are. Just, uh, okay, embody that. Or oh, love it. And so to, to, to work through that, that was going into therapy, lying on the table, doing the kinesiology, and then learning all of the courses and doing the work. And then, because I'm pretty kinesthetic in that way, mm. then teaching it. Because, you know, for me to get it, I had to go through all the levels. That, and I probably, I probably on some level was looking to be smart because I didn't think I was at school. So here mm. I was educating myself. I'd get to the end because that was the probably the winning point, you know, or the winning line. But also then I would practice it and teach it and then I'd be able to embody it and I'd learn it. And so, you know, I suppose I do what I do because on some level I could say I'm selfish. And I think you yeah. know, I think we need to be, you know, we need yeah. to do the things that are important for us uh, and having that integrity around it, you know, like, and so that's, I do those things because they work for me. And so that's how I was able to, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking, I, I engaged her, I, I asked her to become my wife, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I asked her dad permission, her dad's not here anymore, but I asked her dad permission and he said to me, he goes, I don't know what you're asking me for. And then he goes, I'll think about it. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> Talk about an open loop and then he died. <laughs> he Didn't like what you thought. So he never said yes. There's the biggest open loop ever. But wow. I, remember getting, I remember getting engaged. Actually, I had to get down to Wagga. My son was playing like state touch football or something down there and I was waiting for a while and I'm like, oh, well, I went to the shops and went to the jeweler and bought a ring. Now, funny story after funny story, my my wife had said this is the rings that I that I don't want, but I, I don't think I heard I don't want. So I got it exactly the same one that she didn't want, the style. <laughs> now, it, wasn't, it wasn't until maybe four years ago, four or five years ago, that she actually told me, you know, that's the one I don't want. <laughs> no. We've been together 20-something years. Oh, mate, she's a keeper. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. But so we got engaged, but then I didn't do anything about it. And so she actually gave me the ring back. She goes, right. when... When you're serious, oh. we're still, we're, we were together, but like she said, yeah. when you're serious. And so when my son um, got selected to represent Australia in the um, World Championships in the athletics, we went to Italy and I'm like, right, I'm doing this. It's going to be a great story. I'm yeah. getting engaged in Venice in a gondola. I'm going to propose to her. Um, so that's what I did. And so then <laughs> just like, oh, well, I've got to follow it up now. I've got to bloody get married. And so... We booked a cruise with um, Esther and Jerry Hicks. It's yeah. 2010, that's when Jerry was still alive, right? And yeah. we booked this cruise because, you know, my wife loves that and I kind of love that and open to all of that stuff. And so we booked the cruise and I'm like, oh, well, might as well make that the honeymoon. So I kind of went, well, there's the end result. There's the honeymoon. Let's set a date. So that's kind of how I did all that. So funny story, but. Um, that's good. Yeah, it, love it. It, 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 was, it was working it's still a work in progress to love myself. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you said about the relationship with your wife as well. It's like it's, it's got to be a work, work in progress. It's a dance, right? Like you don't have to do all the things together, but you need to keep coming back to the common threads and yeah. and that requires work. Another big moment you said 
your your dad, who obviously, from what you described, was someone who had been such a help for you and that wisdom. You even described it when you said the things not to do. You knew what not to do from a relationship, right? So his words even coming through there in your own words, but he's passing 2019. Was that was that unexpected? Was it challenging? Like how did all that No, it was a relief as well, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. He 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 um uh, it was beautiful actually. But it's not until you experienced that, and I know that you, you know that you've been through things like that. But yeah. it wasn't unexpected. He'd been unwell, and his health had been declining for 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 some time. Um, you know, I, I just see things a little bit differently, and my mental process is uh, it's unique to me, and I'm happy with it. But like, even in one of the pictures at home, it was like that um, Back to the Future movie. I don't know if you've seen those ones, but yeah. where where in the picture crazy doctor guy or inventor yeah. guy, his yeah. his his picture kind of get starts to fade out. And so in one of the pictures at home, it was like dad's picture was fading out of a picture at oh, home. Oh wow. And so um and I and actually I'd gone to see a, a friend who's a, a, a psychic and it's like I'm really curious to how they do that stuff and it just blows my mind, right? And so she kind of said at a period of time, she can't say anything but your dad's health's declining. So I kind of felt that I had some inside information and then I could see things and then, you know, like he wasn't well and then I suppose the shock was that the all of a sudden part was like he had, I don't know, about 20 stents in his chest for all of these blocked arteries and they kept saying to him, he had like a, a triple bypass in 1995 or something like that. And so, and they kept saying to him, we can't do any more. And then he still had this pain and angina and all of this stuff and they'd find a way yeah. and they'd find a way and they'd find a way. And so um, although his health was declining and he couldn't walk and like he loved doing the garden and so he, he, he couldn't do that. So it gave me great joy to keep going over and do the gardening. And my wife said, look, just keep going even when you don't want to go because when they're gone, they're gone, you know. And so there's yeah. once again, there was times when I didn't really want to go, but I'm like, you know, you just got to you just got to do these things. And so he went into hospital for a, a bypass or for a three-night thing back in um, early or maybe April, May in 2019 and he spent 10 weeks or 12 weeks or something in hospital and um, that was a shock. So that it, was, it wasn't it was sudden but it was sudden in the fact of, oh, my God, it's mm, he might not yeah. come home. And, mate, he was um, talking about being delusional, right, you know, when you have this positive delusion that I think Jack Nicholas said, I'll never three-putt in a major, major event, right, and the yeah. – a reporter was interviewing me. He said, well, Jack, you know, you three-putted on the last hole. He three-putted. He goes, I never three-putt in a major event. So I don't think my dad really believed he was sick. I think he was in denial of it. Yeah, right. And so he got home, which was great, and then he wasn't good again, and then he went actually back in and he didn't come out that time, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so. It was lovely that my sister and my mum, we could be there and would always get a parking spot and it just, we were there when he passed, when he took his breath and um, 
and 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 like we really like my mum and my sister and myself we had a good bond anyway so it was just it was just a celebration so yeah mm. there was sadness there was mixed emotions um, of course yeah when he left but you know probably one of the big realizations was that I think all of my life I was had been trying to prove my worth to my dad mm-hmm. and then I realized one day at the gym I'm like well he's not there I got nothing to prove to I, I realized I've been trying to prove it to him and yeah, then wow. I realized it's like well what am I trying to prove that's Again, that's a product of all the work you've done is that those self-awareness pieces come to you much quicker and you're able to make start making peace with things yourself. I've got goosebumps all through that. It's almost like uh, he's there constantly sort of telling you still what not to do and and, uh, Absolutely. and helping you work it out, right? Absolutely. Like he was the most – like he was very unique. People might say he was the most negative person. Yep, I, I would agree. But I just say that for me I believe that you know, having the experience of my father was like it was it was hard work. It was hard knocks. It was you know you want to talk about for me for me it was it was hard, but the reward was creating a strength inside of me now because of that, because of being scared, and you know that probably segues into where I'm heading for the rest of my life but because of all of that rather than blaming him like he that was his way of loving me and it takes a lot to get to that point of acceptance of that love in that way but that was his way yeah that's awesome and i was going to dive into a bit of personality stuff but i but yeah i just the, the the people that see the downside naturally they're often called negative and they're called this, that, and the other, but but they're actually a really important piece of the puzzle. Like they're the ones who stop you from going and doing the crazy shit. They're the ones that that help projects to to be able to refine so they do work because they're able to spot the gaps that, that no one else yeah. can see. So I think uh, like what a gift to have received from your dad and for you to be able to identify that as a gift um, both both in different moments but also now afterwards that's that's huge well if it wasn't that i'd probably hate him and have resentment and be carrying stuff that you know thoughts of whatever that might be in regards to my dad that happened at some period of time mm-hmm. that's really not serving anything apart from me staying stuck and he's not even here like that is a crazy loop and but but i, I believe for me for who i am understanding my mental process gives me a great gift for me but a great gift to share with other people because I have the same ability but I'm able to um, I'm able to communicate it in a way with people that is supportive and loving and safe love it um, what you described there just I wasn't gonna I wasn't sure whether to mention this or not right but you talked about seeing this psychic and always wondering how they do it. Now, what you've described through this chat continually is your sense of knowing. Because when you said that, oh, I wonder how, my first thought was, oh, well, you know how to do that. And and there's part of me that's like, yeah, like you do have that. Like everything that you've described is you've acted on the knowing. That's 
like isn't that what psychic abilities are like yeah i think i think it's um a way of interpreting what you see inside of your mind yeah which is essentially mind reading right yeah and psychics only know the truth at the time that they're giving the reading free will still comes into it and things still change right yeah absolutely and i think that they're just reading whatever with the skills that they have whatever's happening for them yeah i think that i suppose for me that i'm i'm not one to predict or say this is going to happen or that's going to happen because like you just said i don't know and things can change my because I see pictures or I hear things and I just communicate to what's happening in my mind when I'm connecting to someone and have the courage to say the thing, you know, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then let them work it out. What does it mean for you? <laughs> I, had a, I had a great trainer and I think he wouldn't answer the questions in the class. He would just bounce it in and go, yeah, good question. So what does it mean for you? Now, I didn't know that he was reframing at the time, but that's what he was doing. So what he was doing was helping and giving you the ability to back yourself by saying well this is what it means for me so and we're, we're meaning making machines so yeah absolutely i think i utilize a skill that that's unique for me yeah. my way of communicating that is to really hold the space for someone so they feel comfortable so they feel supported you know you've got to create that trust and rapport and then they can because it's all the unconscious moments and if you know what you're looking for i don't know what's happening for the person but, you know, if I suggest something and notice something, when you ask the brain, it has to answer the question. So if I ask the question based on something that I notice, and I'm not saying that this is the truth. So as an example, I might say, all right, Ian, so, you know, um, you know, what was that? Oh, what was that movement in your right shoulder? Yeah. Now, yeah. was there movement there? It did do this, which was great, so thank you for doing that. But then when I ask you that question, you have to your brain has to answer it, whether you answer it verbally or internally, right? Exactly. And so it's this matter of getting them to to to, to ask great questions because the brain has to answer it and getting them to go inside and explore what's there. It's exactly how I do this podcast. So <laughs> I've been getting a whole lot of different tale, tells from your body as well and just yeah, navigating right. it that way. So yeah, I love yeah, how you yeah. describe that. And uh, anyone who's had a coaching experience with me would would know that as well it just makes it for an easier way for them to be able to process their own information without it being threatening right that's empowerment yeah 100 percent. oh that's the word now the other thing i pick up on is verbal cues yeah. and you've mentioned this word three times and you oh, just I mentioned think. it again which was nice because i was going oh i might ask that question in a second then you've mentioned it again and you talked okay. about the word courage yeah so can you tell me where was a time where your courage has been really tested and how you dealt with that. Because everything you've described, you are a courageous man, that is without doubt. But it's obviously an important thing for you, the fact that you've actually referenced it a few times. Oh, wow. Courage. Um, I'm just waiting for the A1 to come up. I, uh, the, yeah, the, 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 the times that, like when I started to, when I was in between that, that relationship where I was pretty much dependent on, you know, smoke and pot all the time, um, 
I had to leave that behaviour behind. And although it's like, well, that makes sense, but I suppose it was all of that really, having the courage to leave my job, having the courage to leave my comfort zone, having the courage to start again. Um, that was something that was courageous and now another one pops into my mind. So always had a fear of heights and um, I was at a Goji convention on the Gold Coast probably back in 2005 with some colleagues and we are staying across from – so in the Goji convention and they had all these – you know, speakers in there saying you got to have, you got to go for it. You, you know, you got to step out of your comfort zone, and it's like just talk to strange people and try and sell them into goji juice, right? Yeah. Buy this bottle because it'll help me get some more money, and then I can go up the ranks and become Grand Pooh Bar and you know get all this recognition and all of this stuff. Yeah. And so we're actually staying across the road from a, um, the, a theme park in Surface, and I heard this scream, and I'm like, "What's that?" And it was bungee jumping. Yeah. Uh, here I am, fear of heights, scared shitless. I remember with one of the my colleagues there, we were doing like EFT on the balcony. I don't know. We weren't even that high up. We were just hanging over the balcony like doing tapping, oh, even though I've got this fear of heights, I'm deeply and completely love and accept myself and all of this stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I just knew I'm like, i got to do it. And my colleagues knew I had a fear of heights as well. So I'm like, no, I've got to do it. I rang my wife. She was at Coffs. I remember she was at Coffs Harbour. I said, hey, hon, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and do a budgie jump. She goes, you won't do that. <laughs> she knew how much of a fear I had of heights. And I'm like, yeah, I've got to do it. So here we go across the road to this bungee Australia. And I didn't think too much and I kind of paid for it and I got in it and I did it. I did, I, 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 as I was going up, I was asking, now I'm asking the guy the questions as we're going up, right? <laughs> and and I remember saying, he was telling me, oh, there's this and this and this and all these different things. I'm like, right, I'm not going to look down. As soon as we stop, I'm going to get up out of my seat. I'm going to yeah. walk out of the little cage that I was in and just open that door, stand on the ledge and just jump. So I got up out of my seat, put my arm on the rail, looked straight over, and I'm like, <laughs> So how high up are we? We were like 40 feet up. Anyway, coming a long story short, I'm, I'm out there on the on the edge and I could see these my whole patterns of sabotage, these whole patterns running. There's like he did the three, two, one jump and I didn't move. Now, apparently I was, if I could find that video, the, the CD of it, the recording, yeah. I don't have it anymore, but it was great. I was on the edge for 12 minutes. <laughs> no way. And they let you stay that long? Yep. I was on the edge for 12 minutes. My, my arms were gone. My legs were gone. There was like he did another countdown and I'm like, mate, cut the countdown. Like, <laughs> But I could see there was people down the bottom on the video. When I did have the video, there was people on the bottom, down the bottom going, ah, oh, yeah, chicken. And... <laughs> And really helpful. Was, yeah, people in the there was like a bus. There was like a bus stand across the road, and they're banging on the on the on the bus stand, and people yelling out everywhere. And in front of my eyes, my whole see you say you're going to do stuff, and you get to it, and you can't do it. And yeah, so wow. this was that's probably the most courageous, you know, story. And then I don't know what happened on the fourth time. He said three, two, and I just let go. And I let go, and that was a relief. But my colleagues, they were all in tears. Whoa, that you jumped or watching you struggle? Watching me struggle and then actually jump. 
Yeah, wow. So, and my kids knew I had a fear of heights. They, I think we were watching something on telly back then. They said, would you do that? Then I go, I don't need to do that. It's not about do I want to. I, I just don't need to. So total denial. But, you know, that was probably one of the most, the times when I had to call upon those reserves to do it because I'm like, if, if I don't do this, I'm a, I failed and I'm going to have to go down there and face them. Like two of them had uh, fears of heights as well and they, they, they wouldn't even go up. So it was worse for me to go back down, but it took me 12 minutes to, to make that decision. Yeah, that's the walk of shame, right? <laughs> it would have been. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I wanted to touch on one more thing. Sure, you, mate. You talked about, um, or oh, maybe two, you talked about that vision for the future that was then taken away, and that's such a big part of grief. If you look at those uh, older couples where the partner dies and what they expected the future to look like is no longer taken away. So you mentioned vision as well when you were talking about your current wife and and, I, and I'm like I'm a big believer that your path doesn't have to be the same but your end game has to be heading in the same direction, right, for it to all work. How important is vision in your life and what's some tips you could give to the listeners about making sure that they are able to, to get clarity on their vision? I think I just, for, for me, I just see things. So it's probably my, like when we talk about a vision, I suppose it's just like, I think about my mum, my mum's still alive and she's never had goals. And, but she's okay with that. She just has like a real faith and a real trust in whatever's going to be is going to be. So I think that that's one side of it. And, and if you're okay with that, then that's fine. Yeah. I suppose for me it's just always been a way of getting me to get things done, you know. Mm, it's like that's good. If, if that's the end goal I just kind of you got to pull on that you know if that if, if you've got a rope and that rope is connected to the end you might be deep down in the trenches somewhere but that that rope you're hanging on to is connected to something and you, I think it's important to find whatever you need to find to, to to create that strength to pull but knowing that that vision's not knowing that that whether it's the safety net or whether that's the thing. When I say that's a thing, it could be many things, the goal or whatever yeah, it yeah. is that you want to achieve. Um, that I, I suppose it's the momentum. It's the, it's a, like a forward direction type thing, you know, and yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll um, I, I suppose, allowing or letting your hopes, not your hurts, define your future and so that's an attitude yeah that's like a bit of an attitude as well so i hope for many things i hope my footy team wins a comp you know (laughs) i still hope for that and i you know i will still watch it and i'll still pull on that rope hoping you know (laughs) that they can win a game or that they can win a competition so i think hope is what i think hope is what keeps us going because if you don't have hope, then I suppose you're hopeless. Mm, yeah, that's good. And and 
you know, I don't know. There's many ways that to do it. I, I just, I suppose it's, I don't even know why I'm going to say this word, but it's visioning. And so I just do a lot of like guided meditation and meditation and breathe and just spend some time with myself. But I, you know, I love Joe Dispenza's work, you know, creating a new future. I love all of that. You know, your, your mind can't discern between what's real and what's imagined. So if you imagine the thing that you want and you, you know, tap into the feelings of that, then your, your brain's going to start to create it. Obviously, you still need to take some actions and some steps. So I just think that the things that have happened in my life because I've had an idea, which was like the book was one of those. I'm like, man, I think this is the thing. But, man, I've failed so many things or I've, I've had... <laughs> Let's do this thing. No, it didn't work. Or I kind of got there or I kind of stopped. Or I, but you know, the, the, the idea with the vision with the book, um, and I like got some great learning from that as well. Like I could have stopped at points in time. That took courage as well at points in time. I'm like, if I wasn't have all these people here invested and all these, like I would have thrown the towel in. Yeah. As, as well. So I think, you know, if you don't know, then. Ask someone for some help. Ask yeah, someone who you can trust, you can have a conversation with that maybe knows one little bit more than you. Doesn't They don't have to be a genius. They're every, we're just people. Yeah. But, like, if someone knows one little bit and you can ask them and get a tip to, to help you to take that step, because it's really like the coaching, you know, it's just helping people to shift a perspective hold them accountable for them to take some actions. And I think we get stuck and scared because this three-letter word, how, gets in the way. Yeah, yeah. Right? How, the how gets in the way and, like, that's an old structure and a really deep problem for people. So I think just if you don't know, just ask something. You probably Google it these days, you know. <laughs> watch a bit. You can do some modelling, but remember use your mental process around it. Try it out and find your way. So good. The most important thing out of all of those things that really stuck out for me was you started with it and you kind of ended with it, which is the action. The vision helps you create to take action, to get things done because you know what you're working towards and it builds a momentum. Um, man, so much wisdom through that. The uh, Les Brown, I'm sure it was said, you go from your heart and you think, oh, this is what I want to create. And then you go to your head and your head asks how. Yeah. And he said, how is none of your damn business? Keep taking yeah. the next step and the how will be presented to you. Just yeah. keep focusing on the vision. Yeah. Gavin, like that's the longest one I've done in a while and I'd literally – could I have a million questions I could ask you, so we might leave that for another episode. But sure, mate. so much value in that, mate. I, I appreciate you sharing. Um, I can see the excitement you have for the book project. You've already talked about having something else similar in the future. Where can people find out more about you and, and specifically the book as well, mate? Well, the book, uh, the name of the book is called Resilience, Turning Struggle into Strength. Um, Hang on a minute. Proud moment. Yeah. Well, the listeners will have to take take our word for it for the cover. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, here you go for the listeners. It looks like that. 
um, the desert. Yeah, yep, um, you can um, it, it, you can purchase it on Amazon in the hardcover or on the Kindle. Um, apart from that, my name is Gavin Hyde. I have a website. It's gavinhyde.com.au. Um, that is just about to be revamped because I'm have crashed and smashed through the old identity, and I'm 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 in the in the purpose or in the process of creating a new one. And so I have a new website coming in about a month's time. Nice. Um, which which I'm excited because I'm just really just going to share me, you know, like I'm going to share me. You know, I've, 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 I've you know, last week uh, it was great. I sat through your training, which was awesome. Um, and I, you know, made some decisions, took some actions, and you know, I hired, uh, hired a, 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 a gentleman that I've work with over a long period of time and he's going to help me with some branding and awesome. so i have a podcast starting next week which i'm excited about never done a podcast well i've been the guest but yeah, yeah. you know I, I what's the podcast called it's called um that's a good question um breaking the silence unmasking authenticity one conversation at a time love it so i'm just going to be me going to be raw and you know i'm going to start and and then see where it kind of takes me. So I'm excited about that. And um, I will be doing another book project as well. So I'm, you know, open for people that may be keen to have a chat if they feel like it's something that they want to find out more about, explore, want to share their story, want to, you know, find out who they are, do some healing, connect into their voice, share that with the world. Just one, just going back one bit about the book, what was a real joy about the book was it was healing for myself, healing for the authors, and the vision that I had with that was, well, I went into meditation and I got two words that came out of it. One was communication and relationships, right? That's what yeah. popped out. I'm like, wow, so what am I to do with that? So I just had to wait and and that evolved kind of into the vision with the book. But that vision of, you know, we've all been through a lot over the last few years and just the world's hurting. Yeah. And, you know, so am I, <laughs> you know, so like you said, we all are. Yeah. If you haven't had stuff come up or been triggered in the last four years, then, mate, I don't know what you're doing or why you're even here or what the purpose is or maybe you just had the head in the sand. But um, I think globally it's 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 broken down structures for, for, for everyone. So my vision was for healing for the world, healing for the, um, uh, the people writing the stories. But what we did was we... Um, found two charities that are ground roots charities and all the profits of all of the book sales, the Kindle sales, we donated, not from the launch, from every sale and going to charity. And that is so uplifting. So it just shifted something, you know, like I think I've never really done something on that bigger scale by giving back as well like you know you give back and you get back but i think at points in time i thought well i better give so i can get and so but what was the attention behind it and so Mm. um just the fact that like people would say when i was talking to people about onboarding and coming on so how much money we're going to make actually none from the (laughs) book sales yeah like you can use the book as a business card you know you can position yourself because what will happen is because you know, before this book, I co-authored five other ones. Two got over the line and got published, and three failed. Yeah, so right. So this is actually my sixth attempt. Um, 
And so Brazilians. this time I took, took, you know, the reins into my own hands and went, well, okay, well, I've had some experiences. It was pretty good. But I know that I felt different about myself when people were communicating communicating to me especially people I went to school with like wow look at you hey eh? who would have thought I remember one person saying that who would have wow. thought look at you you're a published author and I'm like wow is that the opinion that I put across to people so um so I'm passionate about this next book so if anyone wants to you know connect just you know through my socials Gavin Hyde um you know you can get in touch with me there good man thank you so much for sharing all of that uh you can hear the passion coming through in you not only sharing your story but helping others to do the same i honor you and appreciate you gavin for coming on and sharing your story so openly thanks mate oh you're welcome thanks for having me mate um i'm, I'm really you know blessed and grateful and it's made my day i feel great and you know i'm just gonna accelerate into the rest of my day the rest of my day now on a bit of a high and a buzz because it's just a great conversation so thank you you're welcome thank you speak soon i hope you enjoyed this episode of the grief code podcast thank you so much for listening please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too if you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief let's chat email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.